Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy. I am your host, Dr. Randy, not Dr. Randall, not Dr. Randarius, not Dr. Randandre. I am Dr. Randy. Thank you for tuning in again for this week's episode. In this week's HPI, I'm going to talk about masks. No, not the masks women put on their face at night that makes them look like moms, but the masks used to protect individuals from the coronavirus. I released my episode for women's facial mask products another day. Seriously, it's already done and in the can. But back to masks concerning the coronavirus. Recently, the CDC released new research regarding masks. The research article is entitled, Maximizing Fit for Cloth and Medical Procedure Masks to Improve Performance and Reduce SARS-CoV-2 Transmission and Exposure 2021. In the article, it lays out recent research done by the CDC and other organizations regarding double masking and wearing a medical procedure mask that is knotted and tucked. Double masking is when you wear a medical mask, which is one of those blue masks, and have a cloth mask on top of it. That's double masking. Knotting and tucking a mask is when a medical procedure mask is altered by bringing together the corners and ear loops on each side, knotting the ear loops together where they attach to the mask, and then tucking and flattening the resulting extra material to minimize the side gaps. I have provided pictures from the CDC on my IG and Twitter at underscore Dr. Randy showing examples of double masking and knotting and tucking your mask. I'm going to try and upload a video of me putting on these masks as well so you can see how it's done and know how to double mask and knot and tuck your mask properly. The goal of both types of masking in this fashion is to create a better seal which ultimately helps to decrease rates of infectivity. In January of 2021, the CDC conducted experimental simulations using source and receiver head forms to assess the extent to which these mask measures work. When I say head forms, just think of a mannequin head or a styrofoam head that you see wigs on at a wig shop. Some of y'all have styrofoam heads at home anyway where you sit your wigs on. You don't know me, Dr. Randy? Okay, I know you probably do have a styrofoam with a wig on top of it right now. But anyways, when I say source mannequin, that is a mannequin head that simulates a cough. So they've taken the mannequin head and stuck a device inside of it and helps to simulate the mannequin having a cough. A receiving mannequin head is a mannequin that represents an individual being exposed to the respiratory droplets from that cough. So just think of it as a person who's basically being coughed on or spoken to and the droplets are coming from the other mannequin and that person is being exposed to them. So I'm going to explain how the CDC did their experiments. The first experiment the CDC performed assessed how effectively various mass combinations reduce the amount of particles emitted during a cough. So that experiment was evaluating source mannequins, which once again are those mannequins simulating a cough. Four different mask configurations were used on that mannequin. A three-ply medical procedure mask, which is one of those blue masks, they put one of those masks on a mannequin. A three-ply cloth mask covering one of those blue medical masks was also put on a mannequin. 
and the last mannequin that they tested was the knotted and tucked medical procedure mask. So the CDC did an experiment basically simulating coughs and putting different types of masks and mask combinations on top of the mannequins to see how much of those particles would pass through the mask when the mannequin simulated a cough. The results showed that double masking, which is putting the cloth mask on top of one of those blue medical masks, blocked 85% of the particles. Knotting and tucking a surgical mask reduced 77% of the particles released when the mannequin simulated a cough. A cloth mask alone blocked 51% of the particles and the medical mask blocked 56% of the particles when the mannequin simulated a cough. Consequently, the top two best mask configurations to prevent the spread of particles when someone coughs, according to this research, is double masking, which is putting a cloth mask on top of a blue medical, one of those blue medical masks. They also come in yellow and different colors, but I know most people have seen the blue one. So don't try to hold me to, oh, Dr. Randy said I had to get a blue one. Just get a medical mask, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the top two configurations that showed in this research to reduce the spread of particles when coughing was double masking, the cloth mask on top of the medical mask, and number two was nodding and tucking one of those surgical masks, the blue mask. The second experiment done by the CDC assessed how effectively the two modifications to medical procedure masks reduce exposure to aerosols emitted during a period of breathing. So what does that mean? The experiment simulated one of the mannequins breathing and releasing aerosols, which is basically just regular breathing, but sometimes you know when you breathe, you release little small respiratory droplets. This is what that mannequin in this simulation was doing. It was simulating breathing. The other mannequin had simulated ventilation, which is basically taking in those breaths that the other mannequin was breathing on. There were various mask combinations for this experiment. For example, a source mannequin, which is one of the mannequins that was simulating doing the breathing on the other mannequin, may have not had a mask, and then the receiver mannequin may have had a double mask. Then another part of the experiment they made a hat. In another part of the experiment, both mannequins were double masks. So each mannequin had on a cloth mask and a medical mask underneath it. There were over 10 different combinations used. The results showed that when the source and the receiver were both fitted with double masks or knotted and tucked masks, the cumulative exposure of the receiver, which is the person that is receiving those re respiratory droplets, it reduced their exposure 96% when both the source and it reduced the exposure 96% when the source and the receiver both had on double masks. And when both mannequins had on knotted and tucked masks, it reduced the receiver's exposure 96% as well. It was also shown in this experiment when the source mannequin, which is the, once again, the mannequin releasing the respiratory droplets, when that mannequin has a double mask 
or a knotted and tuck mask. And the other mannequin, which is the receiver mannequin, has on no mask at all. It still reduces that exposure if that other person has a double mask or a knotted and tuck mask. It reduces it by 82% if the person releasing those droplets has on a double mask and 62% if the person has on a knotted and tucked mask. That's reducing exposure to the person who doesn't even have a mask on. So it kind of shows that you can protect others if you wear a double mask or a knotted and tucked mask if you happen to have the virus and are talking to someone or around someone who doesn't even have a mask on. So that's why it's very important that both individuals have a mask on and it shows in the data from this experiment that it can help reduce your exposure even if you don't have a mask on. But it's more important if it decreases the risk of you not getting infected or infecting others if everyone has a mask on, specifically a double mask or a knotted and tucked mask. I hope everyone understands what I'm saying. I tried to lay it out in layman's terms as best as I can, but go back and listen to it for repetitious purposes if you didn't get it the first time. At the end of this episode, I will discuss the limitations of this study, including children and individuals with beards. And I'll also give my opinion on how I'll be wearing my mask after reading this article. So it's interview time. Last week, I interviewed Dr. Deal, a physician working during the pandemic. This week, I will be talking with Tiffany Hatch, a nurse who has been working during the pandemic. Tiffany is a native of Port Arthur, Texas, just like me, and has been a registered nurse for 11 years. She recently became a family nurse practitioner. Last year, Tiffany left the great state of Texas and went to New York to help treat patients during the firestorm of the pandemic, right when it was blazing hot in New York and their numbers were crazy. We'll discuss what went into her decision to go to New York during the peak of the pandemic. Tiffany is also an executive wellness coach and motivational leader who helps the community understand health and wellness to achieve sustainable results. We'll talk a little bit about her side hustles as well. This was one of the first interviews I did way in the fall when I was still trying to figure out my way as a podcaster. You still trying to figure out your way. Shut up, inner voice. <sighs> All right. So here's an interview with nurse practitioner Tiffany Hatch. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Randy, a.k.a. Dr. Noob, author of Appendicitis, chilling with one of my hometown friends, nurse. Is it family nurse practitioner now? This is Tiffany Hatch. Go ahead and introduce yourself for the people for me, please. Okay. Hi. Once again, my name is Tiffany Hatch. Um, I'm a registered nurse as well for over 11 years. I'm newly grad nurse practitioner. I'm native in the Port Arthur, Texas area, working in the Southeast Texas region. Um, I'm also like a motivational uh, coach with health and wellness as well. So I've been doing this for over, been doing the health and wellness for over three to four years, um, Mm -hmm. just educating and just understanding health and wellness as well. 
Okay. All right. So Tiffany's been fighting the good fight for us being on the front line as far as the pandemic. She actually left her home in Texas and went up there to New York to work yes. and help out with the nurses out there in the, the hospitals. So can you tell us why you went? Uh, what gave you the passion to go up there and help out? Um, initially I went, um, it's always on my heart to looking at the nurses and what they're going through, um, when we're short staff, um, knowing that this situation, when you're in a pandemic, needing a helping hand makes a big difference in the overall care of patients. So nurses taking care of six to seven patients that's ventilated is very unsafe. But no matter what your specialty is, I can be a med surge nurse helping an ICU nurse. That's the survival rate of that patient is it, it goes up. Right. When you were helping a nurse that's taking care of six patients. Yep. So um, initially I wanted to. Right. Right. Because mm -hmm. you can't you can't be everywhere at one time. You know, it doesn't the basic needs of a patient. You don't need mm -hmm. to be taught um, no matter what specialty you that you're mm -hmm. in. Um, so I wanted to come out and help. Um, this was my calling. Um, I felt like if. I was like, God, if I get in this position where you allow me to come and help and I can still keep my job back home, then that means this is for me to do. Um, so I went out um, initially a little scared and skeptical mm -hmm. of it. But at the same time, I, you know, stayed on my what was my overall goal and just to help patients with the survival weight. Uh, the survival rate that was going on um, and the, the loss of nurses as well right right so what was it like being in the epicenter of the pandemic i know it had to be a whole lot different from working in texas than being in new york where that was like the highest cases for the extended time period right so initially like the idea of the word pandemic it just really stands for that anything goes to help mm -hmm. a patient survive because the area like most of the hospitals that are the region that we were covering was made up facilities mm -hmm. meaning um it wasn't a real hospital. They they're inverted into hospitals. So we really had to do protocol with supplies and getting patients ready to come into a facility that was, you know, not mm -hmm. already occupied with a patient. I was at a hospital called Rimsey Hospital that was closed for over 10 years. So it used to be a hospital, but it's been closed. Okay. So they used to take care of um, psychiatric patients, infection disease patients there. Um, mm -hmm. So the setting was already set up for like COVID. Um, mm -hmm. But the patients back then for 10 years ago, it's four patients to one room. So that's a pandemic itself um, mm -hmm. to try to take care of four COVID patients with different backgrounds, um, speak mm -hmm. different language. Um, that was oh, a yeah, barrier. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even think about that, especially being in New York. Like it's different people from different cultures and backgrounds, that language aspect. Very much. You had a French, you have somebody that, you know, history of bipolar. Um, mm -hmm. So the pandemic itself was just the, the care that you were limited to that you had to provide, um, mm -hmm. let alone trying to make sure you don't run out of PPE. Right. And for those who didn't catch that, uh, Tiffany had to go work at a facility that had to that was closed for 10 years. 
And they basically yeah, had to open it yeah. back up. So that shows you how bad that the pandemic actually is or was and is right now. Um, I know it's a lot of people yes, who think that it's a hoax and it's not as bad as it it is according to the news. Can you share for the people like how bad it actually was up there as far as patient-wise? So the facility I was at, um, I, you have different nurses, different background. We all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an overflow for patients to go to that were let's say mid-stable to open up beds for the critical patients in the hospital setting because they were turning regular beds into ICU beds Mm -hmm. um, due to not having enough ventilators, not having enough ICU space. So they had to utilize other areas in the hospital and make the other patients that were more, you know, acute care um, come to an overflow facility. Um, so initially you have patients every day, you don't know what to expect. Um, you know, there's death, there's life, like you can experience, or you have a coworker that you're working with may have a dramatic experience. Um, Hmm. you know, it's nothing like ever having to cross over a body or people Hmm. being in the hallway. Like what type of care can you give? like that but it's truly out of your control you know you can't kick these patients out you have to try to they well the doctors have to determine who needs a vent more than the other who wants to be in a situation where you have to determine which patient needs it more due to limited um ventilators that's a hard spot to put somebody in to make those type of decisions Tell me about your crew that you were up there with, the, the young ladies, uh, who was that, Nita and uh, Tiffany, the ones that you met up there. Um, how'd y'all work together and keep each other going? Yes. Um, I initially met them since day one. You know, I have this thing that, you know, when God put me on a call and he always put me on a call in two with people that you can group up with, team with, with the same mindset, same spiritual background. Mm-hmm. And we stuck together the whole time. Um, okay. We actually end up two of the girls working on the same unit to, together, and then the other was were in like an LTAC facility, but we were in the same hospital. So the okay. hospital I was in, one side was like a nursing home, and then the other side was like a hospital setting. Um, so with that being said, like um, nurses, sometimes we all have our thing where we bond, we stick together, we help it out. So it makes the sh- the trend of patient load and care way easier, even when you're in a critical situation. Um, Mm -hmm. Even when a patient in respiratory distress, because you have someone else you're working with that you trust and bond with um, to help you take care of that patient. So I know you're big into wellness and big into exercising. Were you able to work out a whole bunch while you were in New York or? (laughs) So no, um, it was based on like working out is my stress relief. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you have to take that extra step to make time for it after working a long day shift. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would initially try to do that together as well. As soon as we get off, we'll try to, you know, do a 30 minute workout. It helped because in the area, there's nobody out. So where we were in Manhattan, people were, they apply by the rules. So mm-hmm. the studies, if you weren't an essential worker, 
there's no one out. So it's no like, nothing like being in New York and not running into nobody. You could right. literally run the block and be out by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we did that um, for as trying to eat right and um, taking things that were high in immunity. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a nutrition coach, so I made sure everyone that I was surrounded by, we were all on the same same um, ethics, same products, same everything mm-hmm. to just help build our immunity because we were mm-hmm. we had that bond and was under each other. So I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what I take and been doing good for me. You know, yeah. I haven't had any problems or anything. So can um, you share some of the things well. that you took? Yes. Um, so um, I do Herbalife and these are products by Herbalife, but you can also get any of these products over the counter or whatnot. So we were on zinc, um, vitamin C, echinacea, lemon, and honey. We drank. Mm-hmm. I fixed I fix the cocktail every day, <laughs> like in the hotel, like drinks lined up, ready to go for work. <laughs> drinks, not so, drinks, but drinks. Drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we had our remedies, um, what else did we take? Um, that was the main main products that we wanted to make sure that we took every day. Um, but I'm also an infusion therapy nurse, so I also gave vitamin C and B12 um, injections. Okay. That that was that extra boost for rapid um, dose because a lot of nurses, if they wasn't on this like way before the pandemic. Um, like I've been doing these products for over three years. Mm-hmm. If you just now starting to build your immune system, it's going to take more time mm-hmm. versus somebody that's been taking it already before. So that was uh, one of the initial things I did with the infusion therapy to help with that. And we all did fine. We also came back home, all COVID um, negative because we get tested um, when we come back home and after we quarantine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we did both tests the antibodies and uh, the swab test just to make sure we wasn't previously uh, okay. contact with it. Okay, so that's good that y'all came back negative, especially being in the epicenter and being around a whole bunch of patients. Sometimes it's unfortunate yes. people still don't get it, but you can become infected and not have any symptoms and your antibodies exactly. can pop pop up positive later. So that, that's real good that y'all had negative tests. Um, last question, if you had to share a message to those in the healthcare industry, as well as your fellow nurses or physicians, those still on the front line, what, what type of message would you tell them? I just will always say this shall pass, but continue mm-hmm. to follow your heart and desire when it becomes to patient care because they really, really need you. Mm-hmm. Um, being um, the first person they see and probably the last person they see in that mindset, um, you're truly an impact on patient lives. So in that weakest point when they're with you, you want to make sure they impact it. You want to make sure that they get the things that they need, no matter if they have a high survivor weight or not. You want to be an impact on their lives. So continue to be a blessing to others. Um, still strive for what we stand for. I know nurses is getting burnt out, mm-hmm. um, work overload, but your calling is 
is for special calls. And I want to thank all nurses that are still continuing to work and, you know, put themselves before others and being selfless. Right, right. I totally agree about that. Stay mentally strong. Like Tiffany said, this too shall pass. Um, Talk to somebody if you need help. It's okay to seek mental help. Talk to a therapist or if they, I think when you were up there in New York, didn't they give y'all like mental health days if you needed like a break? They did. Right, right. We had mental health days. Yes, we had Mm -hmm. mental health days. We also had days if you needed to go speak to someone one-on-one, whatever you needed just to make that transition easier. All right, Tiffany, thank you for sitting down and talking with me. This was a nice interview and good luck in family medicine. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a blessed day. You too. All right, so now we have Tiffany Hatch back ready for Randy's rapid questions. So I just want you to give me the first answer that you can think of off the top of your head. So as we discussed earlier, you're a workout warrior. So what's the body part that you hate working out the most? Like, the most? Yeah, like do you hate leg day? Legs. Legs. I hate leg day. Why yes. do you hate leg day? Um, because it's it's strenuous. Um, that is a muscle building workout, especially when you're doing it with weights. And the next day, you have to learn how to walk again. So I know that feeling is coming when I have leg days. So mm-hmm. I don't like it. No, all right. So for you, when you work out, you usually feel stuff the next day is when you feel that soreness hit you? Yes, yes. Okay. I actually feel everything the next day. Okay. Me, I'm I'm two days later for anything that I do. Like if I'm doing chest and it's really? asked me the next day, like how you doing? I'm like, oh I'm good, but tomorrow I'm go- I'm gonna feel it. Like it's it's always like a two two day this thing for me. What's the body part that you like working out the most? Like you get excited about my habit. booty. Your booty? <laughs> okay. I guess that all right, yes. all right. Glutes. What's the best booty exercise? Squats? Squats, jump squats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm doing more reps of jump squats, pulsating squats. What's pulsating squats? What's that? When you're doing a squat, but you don't go all the way up, you pulsate. You kind of okay. stay down low in that, in that position. It's like a burn. Okay. All right. So you went up there and lived in New York, but it was, of course, during the pandemic. But what did you notice as far as the biggest difference between living in New York compared to Texas? Um, The biggest difference, um, people are friendlier here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's a one track mind out there. Like just everybody just focusing on just self. Everything is about self out there. yeah, like just a one-track mind. Um, and I don't know, like the different areas, just look, every area, no matter if it was the um, hot, like higher class, lower class, some of them still all look the same to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just, yeah, it just looks the same. No matter mm-hmm. what, it just may be the architect of how the building is built, but it's the same mm-hmm. look. 
Right, right. You could be staring at a building and like, that's worth $3 million? Exactly. <laughs> like, cost of living for me to live there? Mm-hmm. I need three roommates. <laughs> right. And y'all all got to share a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. how crazy it is. So I know you're big into like juicing and shakes and stuff. Which, what is your favorite juice or shake and what's in it? Uh, well, my my favorite smoothie is a banana caramel shake. Um, mm-hmm. It has 21 micronutrition in it. Like all you, it's basically like taking a vitamin C load up with a protein of 24 grams. I take it twice a day. It's actually a meal replacement where you can actually feel full, fill in the gaps. You're supposed to eat five meals out the day. That's hard to do. So me taking mm-hmm. that smoothie. Um, helps me replace all the micronutrition that we normally don't eat. It's no way, even when we eat food, that we're going to get all the micronutrition that our body needs, um, all the vitamins that we need. Um, also, I just add, like, fruit, half a banana sometime into my smoothies just based on how I'm feeling or what I'm working on that week. Okay. I take my smoothies and drink it based on my lifestyle that I'm doing that day or that week. Okay. And are you still selling Herbalife? I do. Okay. All right. Yes. If you want to, you can throw out your information if you want people to reach out to you to buy your products. Yes. From. So I have two ways of reaching out to me. You know, my site is um, thatch.goherbalife.com where you could do a wellness eval. It basically tells you how many calorie intake that you need based on your overall goal and your height and weight and where you want to reach. And it could be losing weight or gaining lean muscle. It can go both mm-hmm. ways. Um, I also have an Instagram page at um, Tiffany Orion 12 where you could get more feedback just basically on um, my health and nutrition and my overall lifestyle period. Um, usually when you follow along that you get a better uh, asset of that individual because most clients want to, you know, gain trust and relationship when it comes to their health to ask certain questions and feel comfortable with you. When you don't get the whole truth, when it comes to nutrition, you can't really get your overall goal because something is always missing. You know, mm-hmm. it could be what you're actually really eating. Um, you may be like, oh, post your food. You post half of the food, but you didn't post the thing that's on the side. So <laughs> when you build that relationship, they get comfortable. And sometimes it's not that you can't have what you had. You just need mm-hmm. to know how to correlate with your plan and your lifestyle to have it. So that's mm-hmm. what I do to make eating healthy, not a diet, just make it a lifestyle to get overall results and still live healthy. Right, right. One of the things that I always make sure I tell my patients is we want you to have cheap days and not cheap weeks. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they do the opposite. Like they cheat the whole week and then have one good day and that that doesn't balance out. No. And even when you have your cheat days, a cheat don't have to be a cheat when you do portion control. Like I'll tell everybody, I take one meal. If you want it, it could have been fish or mashed potatoes. You should always split your meal in half. And you eat every three to four hours. So if you split that meal in half and still want to eat it, you're going to eat the whole thing. You're just going to split it up. Three to four hours, eat the other half. You keep your stomach 
right here versus eating all of it. Now you feel sluggish. Now mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, I shouldn't have ate all that. But you <laughs> want to enjoy it. And that's the best, mm-hmm. best way to enjoy it. Like, eat it twice, that's even better. That's why I be telling my patients, you need to eat to be satisfied, not to be full. Sometimes we have this mindset of, like, we have to fill up the tank every time when we eat. You don't have to do that every time you eat. Yes, I tell you, you're training yourself like you have a gastric bypass without having one. So you lose weight naturally from doing it like that. Mm -hmm. So you're from Texas. Give me your favorite Texas music artist. Uh, favorite Texas movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyonce. Beyonce? Okay, you part of the Beehive? I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be loving y'all some Beyonce. I ain't mad at it. So, last question. If you had one word to describe 2020, what would it be? Oh my God, complete chaos. <laughs> <laughs> but... Okay. Just it's chaos. It's chaos. Like between the pandemic, between your president, <laughs> between like I things that you president. see the explosions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's not my president, <laughs> but it's just rare different things that I feel like I'm like wait. Let me go back in the Bible. Let me try to figure out what's like. <laughs> You're like, what is going on? You're like, what part of Revelations are we in? Exactly. The fires, explosion, it, it's just chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's beyond, like, understanding of trying to figure out, like, what, what, what is going on. Like, you're just waiting for, like I said, this, this, this shall pass. You're right. It will pass one way or another. We only got a couple of more months it has to, to go. Yeah. And um, right now they have two hurricanes coming towards Texas. Like it just. (laughs) Yes, that's another thing. So as a COVID-19 worker, they're getting ready for that. And they're telling us we have to may have to stay in the facilities for two, three days. Like they're Mm. telling us to pack when we go to work Monday to not come out. Mm. So then that's the worst case scenario, you know, due to flooding, because we know there have been times when, um, areas that have high flood zone, people trying to get to work or people trying to get home, you know, lose their lives just in simple flood areas mm-hmm. from, you know, the high water. So it's just for everybody's safety. Right, right. So y'all make sure y'all say a prayer for Tiffany through all the stuff that she's going through as far as staying in the hospital, making it through a pandemic. Now hurricane season is coming. So make sure she's in our prayers. Right. Uh, we're going to let you off thank the hot you. seat. Yes. Thanks for participating. Thanks for having me. Tiffany is a brave person for going to New York during the pandemic. Some people run from the fire, but she ran to it. I applaud her for having so much courage. Countless lives were more than likely saved because of her actions. The world needs more Tiffany's. Y'all make sure to follow her on IG. Her info is located in the description of this episode. Also make sure to consult with your physician if you're thinking about starting any of the products she's selling. And just a quick summary of the mass info from earlier. 
double masking or wearing a knotted and tucked mask has shown to be greatly beneficial. Both forms of protection can help reduce the spray of aerosols when a person coughs and they both can protect a person who is exposed to aerosols when a person coughs. There were some limitations of this study, so let's get into the limitations. Limitations of this study included the experiment not being done with children. I don't have any children, but I can imagine the difficulty of trying to double mask a child, which is probably not practical. As a parent, you're probably happy you can get one mask on them. In my opinion, the simplest thing that you can do for them may be the knotted and tucked approach. It will help the mask to fit a little more snug and reduce exposure. But if you want to try the double masking on your child, I can't tell you based upon this experiment if it will be beneficial for that child. This experiment also wasn't performed on individuals with beards. Beards often interfere with individuals wearing masks, not just medical masks, but other masks in other professions. For example, my dad was a firefighter and he couldn't wear a beard because it would interfere with his mask and wouldn't create a good seal. So if you have a beard, like one of my best friends, Jarvis, also known by his wife as L. Harvest when he's tipsy on margaritas, I can't tell you if these measures will work on you. The last limitation in this study noted that it is unknown if these measures will work on someone who has a big face. Yes, this isn't a Dr. Randy joke, they really mentioned it. Now what constitutes a big face? In my opinion, I think you have a big face if you have a big head. Well, Dr. Randy, how do I know if I have a big head? Well, if you have ever sat in front of someone at church or at the movies, and the person behind you smacked their lips or said, damn, now I can't even see. You probably have a big head. If you tried to get a hat at the store and they told you, no, we don't carry that size. We're gonna have to order that. You probably have a big head. That's the two best examples I can give if you have a big head, which would correlate to you possibly having a big face. Now, how am I going to wear my mask? Well, for me personally, I'm going to wear my mask knotted and tucked. The reason being is that sometimes having these masks on can create or increase anxiety. Like you start feeling real tense having these masks on. I wear a mask the majority of time at work and my job is stressful at times. Consequently, the way I let off some of that stress is breathing, i.e. taking in big, deep, slow breaths and letting them out or just letting out a sigh. If I have on two masks, those stressful breaths that I breathe out are going to blow right back in my face and probably cause even more stress and anxiety. So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and not and tuck our masks. But as stated earlier, according to the data in this study, the best technique is double masking. And the second best technique is nodding and tucking your mask. The CDC has yet to fully change their recommendations in stating that universal double masking or universal nodding and tucking your mask should happen, but they laid out this information in this study and I just wanted you to have it. So that's my spill. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, like, and subscribe. 
share with others if you found this episode helpful. Thank you to all my listeners in other countries. I see you in the UK, Japan, and Colombia. Yeah, Colombia. And thanks to my friend Michelle who sent me some of this information. I appreciate it. Shout out to your mom too. I know she listens. Hey, Michelle, mom. Don't know your first name, but hey, Michelle, mom. I hope you all have a healthy week and find something that makes you smile today. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally.